I want to continue talking about normal Christianity. And um, every time I do a session on normal Christianity, I think of something else that I think is really important to say about it as well. So we might be on this for quite a while, this whole thing about normal Christianity. And today um, I want to read, if you want to follow me, from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you've got your phone out to be looking at a Bible or to be making notes, that's great. If you haven't got your phone out specifically for that purpose, please put your phone away now. Otherwise, you're just being rude. Okay, if, you, if, it's, if it's the Bible you're looking at on your phone, that's great. If not, please put your phone away. And uh, I'll read to you now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. It says this, 2 Corinthians five sixteen. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is totally awesome. If you understand what that means, it's just off the chart. It's just incredible. I want us to, so I want to talk about a new creation. We talked um, a few weeks back about uh, what it means to be born again. The whole thing uh, that, that when we come to Jesus, when we put our faith in him, our life changes because the Holy Spirit does something on the inside. We get a, a fresh start. We get to begin again. And uh, Paul phrases that slightly differently here. I think he phrases it slightly differently uh, for a good reason, because in its context, he's talking about something slightly different to the idea of being born again. But he says that we are a new creation, that because we have come to Jesus, because of the work of the cross and what Jesus has done for us, as we have put our faith in him and put our faith in that work, we have become a new creation. Now, as a, as a kind of a prelude to getting into the nitty-gritty of this, I want to say this, because it relates to the whole born-again thing as well. You know, I, I am born again because I put my faith in Jesus. I am, because of all of that, a new creation. Here is the challenge. About 18 months ago, um, my car started to fall apart. And, uh, I mean, it was getting old. It, it was very high mileage, um, and uh, there were a number of issues with it. And uh, just, just before Christmas um, uh, last year, the steering went. We were just about to head up to Blackpool <laughs> for Christmas, and the steering went. And so uh, we had to hire a car and, and all of that stuff. But I came back after, after Christmas knowing that I needed a new car that I needed something new. Now, I didn't go out 
and looked for an old beaten up Vectra which was what I'd got at the time I didn't go out looking for something that needed a lot of work doing to it I didn't go out looking for something that, that had got dodgy steering on it I went looking for something new something different do you see where I'm going with this? that for many of us the problem is you know, we had a, we had a clapped out old Vectra and when we got born again when we got to be a new creation we went out and got another old Vectra and thought I'll just try and do better you see what I'm saying? Yeah. some of you are still looking bemused okay but when I am born again when I'm a new creation it's so that I can be new and different not so that I can replicate what was there before and try and do a bit better with it, but actually it's supposed to be something completely new, something radically new, something revolutionarily new. Is that even a word? I just made a word up. I'm turning into John Andrews, but I don't mind that. Something revolutionarily new. That actually when we put our faith in Jesus and we were born again, we got a fresh start. It wasn't just so that we could have a go at the old life again and see if we could do better with it. But it was actually so that we could start a new life, something different, something fresh, something totally uh, you know, away from where we were and what we were before. And Paul, in the context of talking about the new creation here, he says, the old has passed away. In other words, what you were before, that whole, you know, that whole lifestyle, that whole way of thinking, that whole person that you were before, that is all passed away. It's gone. It's done with. And now you are born again. Now you are a new creation. Now you get a fresh start. And actually it's not so that you can replicate what you were before but just try and be better at it. But it's so that you can be something new, something different and actually more of what God intended and created you to be. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not so that you go out and buy the same old car again but actually you go out and you get a different make a different model something that's new something that behaves differently something that looks different something that feels different something that is totally different to what it was before you understand what I'm saying and for many of us we're living in that place where in our new creation in our being born again you know what we're trying to do is make the best of what we were before we're actually replicating our old life but trying to do better at it we're actually living like we were still like we're still that person we were before but now with God's help we're going to be a little bit better doing the same as we were before and that's not what Paul is trying to teach us and it's not what Jesus was trying to teach us when he talked about being born again that this new life actually should bear pretty much no resemblance at all to the old life because the old life got us into trouble. Because the old life drew us away from God rather than to God. Because the old life was full of things that did not help us. And now we are supposed to be in a new life. We are a new creation. We are something absolutely new. It's, the difference is like this. Um, and if you, love, if you like this sort of stuff, if you read any books by N.T. Wright on this subject, he's absolutely brilliant. The, it's like this God creates the world and he presents his creation with a covenant with some promises 
And it doesn't work because of the carnality of man, because of the sinfulness of man, because of the rebellion and the willfulness of you and me. It doesn't work. And so, God does something which is then complete, follows on from, but is, to all intents and purposes, completely different. He sends Jesus. And we can become a new creation and live in the new promises. Not that the old promises disappear because all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus. All the promises of God, everything he ever promised us, still counts. Yeah? But that we actually have opportunity to live in something completely different because of Jesus. We are no longer bound by the law, but we live in grace. You understand what I'm saying? It's a whole different world. It's a whole different viewpoint. It's a whole different way of living. And so when Paul is talking about being a new creation, he's not just talking about polishing up the old and doing better, but he's talking about being somebody, being something radically different and new that lines up with who God is and the purposes of God for our lives. Yes? Okay. That's really important. That's really important because we all waste far too much time and energy trying to fix things from the old life which are never going to get fixed. Instead of understanding that in this new life we don't even need to think about those old things. I've had a number of conversations recently talking to people about um, the nature of sin and temptation. And uh, one of the things that we used to do uh, with, with youth groups a long, long time ago, so you know, if this doesn't sound cool and trendy uh, now, don't worry about it, because this was like back just after we'd all got off the ark. And um, in fact, I was in, I was in Sainsbury's this week, and uh, Jay, who some of you will know, was, uh, was behind the counter serving there. It was, it was fr- Friday afternoon, and she said to me, are you going to the youth meeting tonight? <laughs> and I said... I said, I'm far too old for youth meetings. I'm not that trendy anymore. I said, I don't don't get it. I don't understand it. I said, so I'll just be in the way. Oh, she said, yeah. She said, you don't know how to drop it like it's hot. I'm like, I have no idea what you just said. I have no idea what that means. You know, I just drop it like it's hot. Are we talking about potatoes here? I just, I don't get it at all. But and I've completely lost track now. What was I talking about? <laughs> Being old. No, it's gone. Back to the notes. So, um, no, where was I going there? No, it's ask is completely gone. There we go. Noah, yes. Okay. The point is, just for the sake of being able to move on here now, <laughs> is that we are called to be something radically new and different not to be a a replication of what had gone before just trying to make a better job of it that was what I was going to tell you when we were doing things with youth no it's come back to me now the whole thing about sin and temptation and this applies to what we're talking about this morning that if you are focused on the temptation you will have a hard time dealing with it If you, in the face of temptation, are sitting there saying, I must not do this, I must not do this, I must not do this, you are going to have a hard time. You You know, the whole thing about sin and temptation, it starts in the mind. 
And if, if in your mind your focus is trying to deal with the temptation or the sin, you are in trouble. The only way to really deal with it is to fill that space with something else. This is what I mean. So we, what we used to do was, um, I used to get kids to close their eyes and in their minds see a picture of a big red traffic light. The biggest, reddest traffic light you have ever seen. I want you to see that picture in your mind, eyes closed, and we'd spend a minute just concentrating on that. And then I would say, right, now I want you to stop thinking about the big red traffic light. I would give them a few seconds, and then I would ask the question, how many of you are still seeing a big red traffic light? And most of them would put their hands up. Then I would say, I want you to fill your mind now with a big green traffic light. The biggest, greenest traffic light you have ever seen. I want you to fill your head with that traffic light. And I would give them a few seconds. And then I would say, how many people are still seeing a red traffic light? And no hands would go up. Do you see what I'm saying? That if you are focused on the red traffic light, you can't just stop seeing it. The only way to really get rid of it, effectively, is to replace it with something else. Something different. So, when we are talking about being a new creation, we are not called to do battle with our old selves and try and just make a better job of it, but we need to be engaging in something completely different. That the old things that used to pull us away from God, the old way of thinking, those old patterns of living, they need to be gone completely, but you can't just decide not to do that. You've got to replace it with something. You've got to fill that space with something else, something good, something positive that takes you to the place where God wants you to be. The fresh start is not like a repeat of the old life with a bit less sin in it, but actually it's something brand new, something revolutionarily new, something different that we now need to make sure we get a focus on and fill our lives with instead of trying to live the old life and do it better. Are you with me? In, uh, Paul talks about a new way of seeing. So at verse 16 he says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Now this, I want you to understand, Paul's talking about a new creation in its context. In the context of Corinthians, he's writing to a church that's in trouble. He's writing to a church that is very much status-driven and gift-driven. And if you are exercising gifts and if you are, you know, doing, if you're kind of making a louder noise when you're speaking in tongues than everybody else, uh, you are kind of, you're it, you're number one, and everybody else is like number two and three and four and so on. It's very status Orientated. People were treating the gifts of the Spirit like they were some kind of an award for their you know, wonderful spirituality. Um, but of course, the Bible teaches us something entirely different, that they are actually given to us as grace gifts from God and everybody can have them. Now, that's the context that Paul is writing into. It's a church in trouble. And so his prelude to drawing people's attention that they are a new creation has to do with a new way of seeing. He says that before you were a new creation, you used to regard people according to the flesh. In other words, your opinion, your attitude towards, your uh, perspective, your 
concept, your, your whole assessment of who people were, were based on things of the flesh. How much money they had, how big a car they'd got, how big a house they'd got, what sort of a job they'd got, how well thought of they were in the community, you know, what, what they, you know, what they said and what they did in that kind of context. That we actually, um, we actually valued people on the basis of worldly measures. Are you with me? And he's saying at one time, actually, we used to judge Jesus like that. At one time, um, what did he say? For even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, at one time we had a distorted view of Jesus because we were using the wrong measures. Because we were, we were measuring what we thought about him according to worldly measures. And he says, now we don't do that. And uh, he's building up here to, you are a new creation. He's saying, now we don't do that. Now we evaluate things differently. Now we evaluate things according to the Spirit. We see things differently. His particular point in this context is we see people differently. But our way of looking at everything has changed because of the cross and because the Spirit has come. Because the cross changed everything for us and because the Spirit helps us, enables us to see that and to actually engage with it. We see things differently. We, we have changed, or at least we should have changed, the way we view things. Particularly in this context, the way we view people. No longer superficially, it no longer matters in reality whether you are a Jew or a Gentile. This is one of the things Paul is addressing in his letter. Because we're not looking at worldly, earthly status, but we're looking at spiritual status. What matters is that you are born again. What matters is that you have put your faith in Jesus. And we see things differently. Our, our paradigm, if you like, has shifted. What is important now is whether or not one is born again. What is important now is whether people have become a new creation and are growing in that new creation and not the things of the, of the world, not the measures that we used to use before. Paul, um, before he was born again, before he was a new creation, had uh, a very misguided view of who Jesus was. In, in Paul's case, he saw Jesus as a misguided messianic pretender whose followers must be killed and applied himself to that task. He saw Jesus as some kind of um, revolutionary, yes, which actually you could say he was, but, but Paul saw him in the most negative ways as a revolutionary, as somebody who was there to damage people, uh, to damage the faith, and, uh, and didn't like it, didn't like him. That was the way he had judged him and set, out, set about uh, killing his followers. And then, of course, he's born again. He's a new creation. His whole way of looking at things and his whole way of judging things has changed. And he now understands that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is Lord, and therefore then must live according to that revelation. Yes? Are you with me? So our encounter with Jesus should bring us to a place where not just that we... we managed to kind of lose the past and shed the weight of the past but actually we see a much different future 
because we understand who he is we understand his lordship we understand that he is the saviour and that he brings us into his family that we become family and then we must now live in the light of that and this is the point where most of us stall because we come to faith in Jesus because the Holy Spirit has helped us to see who Jesus is we understand that we are sinners in need of a saviour because the Holy Spirit helps us see that we put our faith in Jesus as our saviour and because we've put our faith in him as saviour we are born again there is that change on the inside of us we know that it's happened because we feel different we know that we're different we are a new creation or should be because we start to see things differently and respond to things differently but now our calling is to live in light of that and that is where most of us stall we we are happy to acknowledge the lordship of christ we're happy to acknowledge that he is our savior we're happy to acknowledge that the, the work that the cross has done for us and we're happy to be born again because we feel better I'm assuming you all felt better when you got born again. I felt much better when I got born again. But then, as a born again new creation, we are faced with a challenge and a choice of what we do in light now of the revelation that we have. And Paul goes on with this, and he talks, listen, this is at verse 18. This is what he says. All this is from God. So all this this. Uh, born again new creation new perspective fresh start all of that it's all from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation therefore we are ambassadors for Christ God making his appeal through us we implore you on behalf of Christ be reconciled to God as far as Paul is concerned if we are a new creation we now accept and rise up to the challenge of being an ambassador for Christ that now we see things differently now we understand things differently that we should then be engaging with that and bringing other people into this experience of being born again of being a new creation we should be leading other people to that place God has reconciled us that means that basically God has swept aside everything that stood in between us and him he has dealt with it he has removed it you were a sinner God's dealt with it you were walking away from God God has drawn you back you were living a life that was at odds with what he wanted you to be and he has changed that by filling you with the Holy Spirit and giving you the power that you need to be the person that he wants you to be God has taken care of all of that and now having done all of that for you he wants you to lead other people to that place and you stand now appointed by God as a reconciler in other words it is your role now to hold the hand of God with this hand and to reach out to people with the other hand and bring the two together God has cleared the path God has removed every obstacle that is there for that to happen and now you and I are appointed as reconcilers as ambassadors of God <clears throat> I'm still getting the Sahara out of my throat here you and I are appointed ambassadors we are appointed reconcilers it's our job now 
with anybody and everybody who comes across our path to be finding ways to unite them or reunite them I should say more properly with God the Heavenly Father we stand in the middle Jesus stood in the middle it was his job to get the ball rolling it was his job to get all of this started it was his job to deal with all the rubbish that was in the middle that needed clearing out of the way and he did that and now the baton is passed to us and Paul says very clearly that we are entrusted you and I are entrusted with the message of reconciliation you and I are entrusted with the work of bringing others to Jesus so that they can experience what we have experienced and many of us have not stalled on this journey many of us have not even started on this journey some of us have started on it and discovered that it was difficult and there were challenges in it that we didn't like and we maybe got some negative reactions somewhere along the line and so we've stalled we've stopped doing it I want to remind you this morning I want to refresh your memory and bring to you afresh this challenge that actually the people that we know that don't know Jesus are our responsibility we are called to reconcile them to Christ we are called to be those who will share good news with them who will help them to come to a place of revelation about who Jesus is and what he's done for us and bring the two hands together that's our job that's what we have been appointed for that's, that's what we are a new creation for the new creation is supposed to think differently because it thinks in the light of who Jesus is and what he's done the new creation is supposed to behave differently because it rises up to do what God is calling it to do and, you, and listen even now some of us are sitting there thinking oh God he wants me to speak to people about Jesus and that's our attitude the new creation does not think like that the new creation does not see it like that the new creation the spirit of God rises up in the new creation and says this is flipping fantastic not only have I been saved from the pit of hell, but actually I get to share with other people and help them to come to that place where they get saved from the pit of hell. Not only am I blessed in having a relationship with Jesus, but I get the opportunity to speak to other people about how wonderful Jesus is and see them come into that wonderful relationship with him. Not only do I get to be filled with the power and the wonder and the awesomeness of the Holy Spirit, but I get the opportunity to lead other people to that place. And that is the greatest privilege that anybody in this world and on this planet could have leading people off the path that leads them to hell onto the path that leads them into love and light and salvation is the greatest thing that you could ever do and God calls you to it he says you have been reconciled now go and reconcile others he doesn't say go if you feel like it he doesn't say go if you're a theologian and you understand all of this stuff he doesn't say go if your heart is flooding with love for the community around you he just says go he says, you have been commissioned. You have got a job here and it's your privilege. It is your privilege and it is the greatest privilege you can have outside of knowing God for yourself to lead other people into that experience. I want to tell you something. I, you, you know, 
I don't know if you've had this experience of leading other people to Jesus. But you know, <laughs> I can remember the first time Sue had that privilege. We, we were actually on a mission in North Wales. It's when we were at Bible College and um, we'd gone uh, to this really dismal place in North Wales to probably what was the worst organized uh, series of events I've ever had the privilege of being involved in. It was a shambles. It was a mess. And um, this woman, uh, somehow, I don't know how, wandered into the meeting. And Sue sat down next to her. And the first thing this woman does is start telling Sue about all these horrible skin diseases she's got. (laughs) Sue's sitting right next to her. And I, I could see the look on her face as this woman's sharing all of this stuff. But she sat there and started talking to this woman about Jesus. And this woman said, I want to know this Jesus. And so Sue sat and prayed with her. And I want to tell you, the buzz, she didn't come down for like a month after that. She was so blessed and privileged and excited that she had been able to introduce somebody to Jesus. Her level of excitement was just off the chart. You know, when I get the opportunity to talk to to people about Jesus and and to just even get them another step along that journey... I could, I literally have to find a quiet corner because you all think I'm daft and soft, but I have to find a quiet corner and just weep some tears of joy because it is such a wonderful thing, because it is such a great privilege to be able to share something with somebody that takes them a step closer to Jesus. And when people come to the point where they want to pray and give their lives to Jesus, that is just off the chart. That is just so fantastic, you know. I don't know why you don't get it. I know some of us get it because they're saying amen and yes and nodding their heads and looking really enthusiastic about all of this. I don't know why the rest of us don't get it. What could be better in this world than somebody finding Jesus? What could be better? And we have been blessed and privileged with the ministry of reconciliation. We not only get to do this, but we are called to do this. To bring people to Jesus and see those hands come together and see their lives changed. It's a mystery to me. It is a mystery to me. Why we don't grab this ministry, each one of us, with both hands and throw ourselves into it. And listen, I know that it's not all joy and laughter when you engage in these things. I've had people threaten to hit me because I just mentioned the name of Jesus. I've had people throw things at me because I talked about Jesus. Uh, my, my band, when we were on the road one year, we were playing at the Glastonbury Festival. We were playing in a big marquee at Glastonbury, and, um, which must be on sometime soon. Um, and uh, we, we were in there um, sound checking before we were doing our, our bit. And whilst we're sound checking, this little guy uh, on a motor scooter with the initials NF tattooed big and in black on his forehead, National Front, okay, uh, on a motor scooter, rides his motor scooter into the tent, right up to the front of the stage, jumps off it and the scooter falls over because he forgot to put the stand down, so we're all smiling about that. And he yells at us the most awful and disgusting profanities that most of you have never even imagined words like this guy used. 
and he just he yelled at us there was just it was just pure venom aimed at us because he knew we were Christians and then he spat at each one of us and then he got on his little bike and rode out again and uh, some of you know Dave Hitchcock who used to play drums with me he's a great guy we just looked at each other and smiled and I went yay persecution <laughs> bring it on because if you're getting persecution you must be doing something right you know bring it on and uh, I, I, we laughed about it but I want to tell you that's not pleasant when people do that I know that it's tough I know that you work with people who, at least in your mind, you don't think are the slightest bit receptive to the gospel and don't want to hear it. I want to tell you, you still have a calling and an obligation to be a reconciler for them, to bring them to Jesus. The fact that they don't understand yet and the fact that they don't like it is irrelevant. Now listen, I want you to be sensitive. I don't want you to be the person who, every time you open your mouth, you're talking about Jesus and ramming it down people's throats. That's not what reconciliation means. Reconciliation means taking people on a journey to Jesus. And you've got to start where they're at. Hello? You've got to start where they're at. But you've got to start. And having started, you've got to persevere. And it may be little steps and it may take a long time. It took my dad 27 years from the day I started sharing the gospel with him and started praying for him. 27 years before he met Jesus. Some journeys are longer than others. But once you've started and you've got to start, you've got to keep going. You've got to keep doing it. And listen, for our part, we make it as easy as we can for you. For those of you who were here Thursday night, I thought it was just a spectacular evening. I mean, the music was brilliant. Um, Mark Ritchie was on form. He was great. And there were about a dozen people who made a positive response to the gospel. Now, I want to... Somebody was saying to me afterwards, oh, 12 people got saved. No, they didn't. They made a positive response to the gospel and took a, took a step closer to Jesus. And we put some tools in their hands. We gave them a book that talks about that. And we need to follow up now on that and have more conversations and help people to come into relationship with him and understand uh, how good it is for them. We're going to do more of that. And as we do more of that, listen, if we believe this stuff, if we believe our Bibles then we need to understand that as we do more of this stuff, you and I are immensely privileged in that we get to invite people to come to an environment not only where they can have a good laugh and hear some good music, but actually they could meet Jesus. That's our job. And I want you to know, you don't have any job in your life that's more important than that. What could be more important than saving a life? Really, what could be more important than saving a life? And you and I have been blessed with this incredible privilege. Being a new creation, whilst it has massive benefits for us in terms of shedding the rubbish of the past and getting a fresh start, and starting on a new life is more than just that. It's about, 
You know, I, I said this when we talked about being born again and being saved. We are not just saved from something to sit in a vacuum. We are saved from something for something. We are saved from our past. We are saved from our, our sin and our rebellion. We are saved from that for God and his purposes. Now, whilst it is absolutely true that you can get saved and then stay in that place and not do any of this and still go to heaven, that is absolutely true. But what a waste. What a waste of a life. But when God gives you this call and these opportunities to bring people to him and see lives saved and changed, what a waste if you just don't engage with that. What a waste if you just take all the great stuff that God has for you and forget about the rest I want to tell you there, there is no greater privilege and no greater joy than leading somebody to Jesus the only thing that outshines that is when you get saved yourself <laughs> there is no greater joy and no greater privilege and God wants you to have that joy and to have that privilege and he calls you to be his ambassador, to stand in Jesus' stead, to represent him and to reconcile your world to him. To be a reconciler. Not to do it in five minutes, but to take the journey and to bring people to a place where you can pray with them and they can find Jesus and have their lives changed forever. It's an awesome privilege and it's the call on your life whatever your gift is whatever you think your ministry is wherever you live work rest play that that call is on all of us is on each one of us and as a new creation we should understand what an incredible privilege that is what an incredible joy that is to be able to engage in that ministry and I'm looking forward to getting to heaven. And one of the reasons that I'm looking forward to getting to heaven is that uh, over my 40 years as a Christian and uh, over 30 odd years of, of ministry, I've had the privilege of leading literally hundreds of people to Jesus. I mean literally. I'd, I started counting once and gave up. Um, I, I was well into the hundreds. When, when I get to heaven, <laughs> I'm going to see all of those faces. And I'm going to rejoice again at the privilege that God gave me of sharing the gospel with them and leading them to him. I'm going to rejoice all over again because there are hundreds of lives saved. What an awesome privilege. And God wants you to have the same privilege. God wants you to have the same joy. God wants you to look forward to getting to heaven because you're going to be surrounded by a little sea of faces of people who you introduced to him. You can't beat that. There is nothing like that. And that's the call on your life Paul says we should be reconciled and those who are reconciled should become reconcilers ambassadors for Jesus, amen so let's stand, I'm going to pray mindful as we pray of that uh, of those words again be transformed by the renewing 
of your mind. And I pray that as we stand here in the presence of God this morning, that you, Holy Spirit, would come and just do something in us that would help us to receive that transformation in our minds of the way we think and the way we behave. Lord, that you would come and do something new in us this morning that would change our perspective, that would change our point of view, that our thinking, that our minds, that our attitudes would get in line with what you want of us, with what you have created us for and with what you call us to, that we would see things afresh, that as new creations we would see things in a new way and that we would uh, engage fully with what it is you're calling us to. I pray, Lord, for each one uh, who has had a bad experience as they have attempted to reach out to the people around them. And I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to see that those things are just par for the course and not to be distracted or dissuaded by them, but to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves down, and to press on into what you've called us to. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be sensitive as we stand as your ambassadors, that we can truly represent Jesus, that people would know that we speak to them because we love them, that we come to bring the presence of Jesus to them, that we come to bring healing and acceptance and life I pray, Lord, that we would just capture something of that in ourselves. And I want to pray, Lord, that as we give ourselves to the work of the kingdom and the work of the gospel, that as we rise up and become the reconcilers and the ambassadors that you call us to be, that you would empower us afresh by your spirit, that you would give us wisdom, that you would give us sensitivity, but that you also, Lord, would put people in our way who we know we have to speak to, that you, Lord, would cause us to rise up and, and open our mouths and say just a little something that would help people to get started on that journey towards you. Holy Spirit, help us, we pray for Jesus' sake. Now I pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you, that he would cause his face to shine upon you, that he would draw near to you, that you would know his favor and that you would be filled with his wonderful supernatural peace to the glory of Jesus. Amen. Amen.